Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Genesis. Tonight is study number 6 of Genesis chapter 11. We're going to begin reading... In verse 7, Go to, let us go down, and there confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So Jehovah scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel, because Jehovah did there confound the language Of all the earth, and from thence did Jehovah scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. Well, here we see um, that God is once again declaring that he will confound their language in order to scatter them. And we've discussed some of the reasons why, the purposes behind God doing this, it, it had to do with uh, containing the spread of evil until the proper time, containing technology and, and advancements in various fields until the proper time. It mainly had to do with God's timetable, his program for times and seasons. But there also is a spiritual picture that uh, we can see here is these men, remember, journeyed from the east. And we just made reference that the east in the Bible often represents the kingdom of God. So they are coming from the kingdom of God, and they're intending to build a tower, to build a city, and that requires work. It requires effort, but they're unified. People are one, one language, one goal. So it's very likely they're going to be able to accomplish what they're setting out to do. But the spiritual picture really involves uh, mankind going away from God's kingdom. And the kingdom of God is basically established on the earth through his word, the Bible, through the scripture. And the scripture reveals God as the God of salvation. He is the Savior. He is the one that has mercy and and grants forgiveness and grace to certain individuals. And in doing so, he lifts those certain individuals that the Bible calls his elect people up to heaven. He brings them to heaven. He exalts them through his salvation plan. But in this endeavor, the world, the people that came from the east and therefore had former identification with the kingdom of God and with God himself, they have decided to work together in order 
to build a tower and a city that will reach unto heaven. That's what it said here in verse 4. And they said, go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven and let us make us a name. And well, we don't know exactly what they had in their minds historically with building this tower. We, we do know mankind's very religious because God has designed man that way. He's created them in the image of God. And so ancient people would often build religious places of worship. And so even by mentioning building a tower whose top can reach unto heaven is an idea even in the historical setting with some kind of religious structure that the people involved with thought would somehow grant them favor so that they could reach heaven. There is definitely that kind of spiritual picture behind this building project. If we go to the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 14, I'll start reading in verse 26. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own flesh also he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost? whether he have sufficient to finish it, lest haply after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able with 10,000, to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000. Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an embassage and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you, that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Now, I wanted to read the entire thing, including the opening statement, where Jesus speaks of one coming to him must hate his father and mother and so forth. And, and, and then he mentions whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And then he gives this parable of, uh, which of you intending to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost. And then he gives a second parable of the king going to make war against another king and sits down to consider can he withstand having 10,000, the one coming against them with 20,000. And see, both are, are connected to bearing your cross and following Christ with verse 33. So likewise, whosoever be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. 
and therefore, God is tying together the building of a tower and, and considering the cost of it with following Christ and being a disciple of Christ, taking up your cross. And not only the building of a tower, but it's interesting that in this case, it's mentioned which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it, lest haply after he has laid foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish it. So not only do we have the construction of a tower in view, but a construction of a tower that is not able to be completed, that they were not able to finish it, is mentioned here. That's part of the cost that had to be considered by someone if they seek to build a tower. You you have to um, first take into account the expense and effort necessary to complete that tower. And if you fail to do that, then you'll have insufficient funds. You, you'll not be able to finish it. And then people will mock you. All that behold will begin to mock. You see how that relates to the tower construction here in Genesis 11. That's what they're trying to do, build a tower. And they're not able to complete the tower. It says in verse 8, So Jehovah scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. The word left off is translated elsewhere as ceased. They they were not able to finish. They did not complete it. Um, the historical record matches the parable of Luke 14. So that that's very curious. What what is God trying to say then in Luke fourteen and and how can we relate it to this historical event, a historical parable, and a historical parable is a true historical occurrence, and and that's the case with the Tower of Babel. It literally happened in history, and yet it's teaching a deeper spiritual truth. So it's a historical parable, true history teaching a mystery, a spiritual truth. Well, when we go back to Luke 14 and we look at verse 28, which says, for which of you intending to build a tower, the Greek word, Translated intending is 2309 in Strong's Concordance. And this, um, this particular word is more often translated as would or will. Uh, it's translated as will in Matthew 16 verse 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will 
come after me. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And that's the uh, context, the, the verses that preceded this parable in Luke 14, that concluding verse in verse 33, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. And so it, it's definitely significant that the word intend or intending is the word translated as will in a very similar verse that has to do with taking up one's cross, denying yourself, following Christ. If any man will come after me. Now let's uh, put the word intend. If any man intend to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And see that that's that's the idea behind this building of a tower. One is intending. He's uh, which of you willing to build a tower you, you that reaches to heaven? You know that that's uh, really the similarity between following Christ, taking up your cross, following him, and building a tower that reaches the heaven. Because both transport one to the heavenly, which is really the objective. It's our goal of man, who who's a very religious creature. We want to get to heaven. How do we get there? Well, the Lord Jesus lays out a way. You have to take up your cross. You have to deny yourself and follow me. But that's um, too stringent, too difficult for man, uh, too uncomfortable. And, and so man develops another plan. No, I'll build my own tower. I'll build my own city that will reach unto heaven. And, and how do you build a tower? Well, you gather bricks. You put forth effort. You work. And one stone upon another stone, not living stones like God is building his house, but this is an earthly structure devised uh, out of the, the imagination of man, a religious structure that mankind will put together based upon his own good works as he deems certain ones to be appropriate and fit. And he will uh, build the tower that will reach unto heaven. And, you know, we can see uh, as the similarity if we look at John chapter 1. John 1, verse 51 it says, and he saith unto him, and this is the Lord Jesus speaking, Verily, verily, I say unto you, hereafter ye shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. And uh, really Christ is saying that he is the... Um, staircase. It is upon him that man may climb up to heaven. And the um, language of ascending 
it has to do with with going up, and then it does mention descending because uh, Christ is really speaking of what happened uh, in the day of salvation all throughout uh, God's program of salvation. Individuals would become saved upon the moment of salvation. They had been transported into the heavenlies in the person of Christ Jesus, seated at the right hand of God. Then they were immediately dispatched, so they descended as an angel or a messenger to carry the gospel. As they became saved through the hearing of the gospel, well, now God gave them that duty, that responsibility, and and they also had to carry the gospel. And this all took place in the spiritual realm. The individual child of God remained on earth the entire time. He never went anywhere out of his house or wherever it was God saved him. But spiritually, it was as though he went upon the Lord Jesus Christ, like a tower, for instance, and climbed up to heaven. He ascended and then came back down to again perform this messenger duty of sharing the gospel with others. And if, if you think that's saying too much, well, just look at Genesis chapter 28. This is the verse that John uh, 151 really is drawing from. In Genesis 28, it says in verse 12, And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And that clearly illustrates that the angels, messengers of God, are going up a ladder, down a ladder. So they're climbing. They're climbing up to heaven, then climbing back down to earth. And Jesus is that ladder. Uh, that's what he is declaring in John one fifty one, and and therefore he is this bridge, this tower that reaches to heaven. And notice it did say that in Genesis twenty eight in verse twelve, the translators did translate um, it that way, and the top of it reached to heaven. Well, turn over to Genesis 11 again, and notice verse 4, And they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven, and let us make us a name. You see, they were attempting on their own. It was entirely man's effort, apart from God, apart from Christ, to climb into heaven. Now, when that happens in Christianity, it's called a works gospel. That's what every works gospel does, and every gospel but the true gospel is a works gospel. The free will gospel that's so prevalent, that's everywhere today, uh, is a works gospel. Here, they, they present it 
to the congregation. They present it to people in a packed stadium. They they present it、uh, wherever.、Um, here is what you have to do. It's very simple. You don't really have to do all that much, but you do have to do this much. You must accept Christ. Won't you do that little bit of work for Jesus? After all, He's done so much. He died for you. He paid for your sins. Is this is how they say it? Won't you do that last piece, that last part that only you can do? And then salvation will be yours. Take it to yourself. Accept Him, and you are a child of God. You're going to heaven. You're, and you see, there is the part. You're going to heaven. This is the work. This is the tower that you must、uh, build yourself. That this, that yeah, you can build it upon. Other verses, you can build it upon the idea that Christ did a lot of it, but you have to put forth your own brick. You have to, through your own effort, your own good work, finally reach to heaven through accepting Christ, or you know,、uh, other things that various churches and congregations and. Profess Christian ministries tell people to do. This is your part to finally make this tower reach to heaven, and that's what God is condemning. That's what God is spiritually.、Uh, he is interrupting that process. He's causing it to cease. He's destroying their work and their effort. They are not successful, and even in Luke fourteen,、uh, there there was no success, was there? Where a man who intends or is willing to build a tower, he has to sit down and count the cost because if he starts to build, and then happily he's not able to finish it, people begin to mock. And the reason why Luke fourteen is presenting an unsuccessful attempt. And Genesis 11 is recording in history an unsuccessful attempt to build a tower unto heaven, is because man is always unsuccessful. Man has never been able, in the whole history of the world, to actually perform what what is promised everywhere, proclaimed in practically all the world's churches. And there's promise of liberty, promise of eternal life, promise you'll go to heaven if you perform these good deeds and works, and if you do this、um, this part, this little bit, pick up a few sticks. Yes, it's always promised. The idea is always there, and here is the tower we want to build and complete. But it's never able to be successfully finished, and the New Testament corporate church was actively involved in the construction of a tower through multitude of、uh, works gospels in all of its very various branches and denominations, 
and each particular denomination had its own theme uh, uh, regarding salvation and how uh, their members were to get saved, and they were all busy, busy bees trying to construct their tower to heaven, and God came down on May 21, 1988, and what did he do? What did he do? Did he confound their language? Well, yes, that's exactly what God did. Remember, in Deuteronomy chapter 28, God warned a people that identify with him. He said there's blessings for obedience in the first few verses. And then from about verse 15 until the end, the the larger part of Deuteronomy chapter 28, he pronounced curses upon a disobedient people. And he said in Deuteronomy 28, verse 49, Jehovah shall bring a nation against thee from far, from the end of the earth, as swift as the eagle flieth, a nation whose tongue thou shalt not understand. And historically, it was Babylon that came against Judah. But spiritually, Babylon coming against Judah typified the forces of Satan, the emissaries of Satan coming against the New Testament corporate church at the end of the church age during the Great Tribulation period. And it uh, was no coincidence that at that time that there was a ongoing tongues phenomenon as that mysterious uh, event that took place in Corinth back in the first century AD before the Bible was completed. And, and God very purposefully inserted the account in first Corinthians 14 about this gift of tongues. It basically was lying dormant throughout the church age until the time of the end, and then there became this tremendous fascination with speaking in tongues, a language people did not understand. They they would basically babble, and it was really an indicator, not to them that believe, it says in 1 Corinthians 14, but it's a sign to them that do not believe. It was a sign or an indicator of unbelief that the wicked were taking over the congregations, that Satan and his forces had overcome the camp of the saints. And so Babylon, the kingdom of Satan, who speak a language that is not understood, take over the corporate church. God confounds the language of the church that's involved in this building project in the time when God was still using them, and he confounds their language and he turns the the churches and congregations of the world into Babel. And the word Babel in Genesis 11 is just the word Babylon. He turns the church into Babylon. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. 
You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.